You're listening to a Stranger podcast, www.thestranger.com. Hello, Savage Love podcast listeners of the future. This is Dan, but I'm recording this a week and a half ago, so I don't know who the Democratic and Republican likely nominees are, but you do in the future. You have that advantage over me. Um, and I'm obsessing about the election right now today, but we're recording this in the past, 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 so I don't know um, who cleaned up on Super Tuesday. But you know, uh, and if your person did, your person, if your person did, if your preferred candidate did, uh, congratulations to you. And if your preferred candidate got wiped out on Super Tuesday, ha ha. This is the Savage Lovecast. I'm Dan Savage. This is the once-a-week out-loud version of my sex advice column, Savage Love, coming to you from the past. 206-201-2720 is the number if you'd like to record a question for a future -er -er podcast. Uh, And you download us every week at thestranger.com. We have a lot of calls to get to, including a bunch of people who are all over the map on the subject of dating. La Jesus Freak goes. Here we go. Hi, Dan. This is Travis. Um, Me and my girlfriend... I've been going out, having sex, and all that fun stuff. And we do pretty much everything that each other wants. Um, I do everything she could do. But she won't give me a blowjob to completion. She'll give me a blowjob for a little bit, but she won't let me come. And she says that she wants to get to that point. But she thinks that if she does, she'll throw up. And I was wondering if you had any advice for us. So who knows? Maybe you're a fire hose and there's just buckets of it and her fear is rational um, because there's just so much and it pours out of you so fast. Or maybe she's got a shallow throat mouth and you've got a long dick and she's already struggling you know, on the edge of uh, the occasional Huckabee, which of course means uh, when you throw up a little giving a blowjob. Uh, so what you need to do, the way you can you know, bridge the gap, the way you can help her work through these fears, is to let her give you a blowjob almost to completion, graciously allow her to give you a blowjob almost to completion, and then pull out for ejaculation and come on her neck and her boobs and her dog and her cat and her comforter or whatever, and then allow her to put your penis, your cock, your big throbbing manhood back in her mouth for the last couple of squirts, for the final two squirts, which won't be, you know, as great a volume as the first few squirts. And then she can see that she can take a little cum in her mouth, that she can swallow it, she's not going to throw up, and you can up her comfort level about you ejaculating in her mouth by giving her the ejaculate in your mouth, uh, you know, installment plan option, basically. And then she can, you know, work her way up, you know, maybe the last three spurts next time, and then down the road, the last four spurts. And then eventually, you'll be in for all of them. Hey, Dan, how's it going? I really dig it. Uh, I'm a 28 queer dude, and I've got a problem I'm hoping you can help me with. I am, um, I broke up with my ex-boyfriend who I was with for a long time last June, and I haven't dated anybody since, and haven't, uh, haven't gone there. Anyways, I, uh, he moved all the way across the country when we broke up, and so I, I, I haven't seen him or talked to him since. And it was really, it was a really serious relationship when we broke up. I went um, on this amazing outdoor epic, epic journey to a national park, and while I was, I was cross country skiing over 21 miles, and I ended up at this lodge where I went to stay the night, and I ended up having this really amazing um, kind of encounter romance with this uh, ranger dude guy who worked there and 
it was incredible. Like we made out in the woods, we we put our feet over the edge of a cliff and watched the full moon rise. Like it was just epic, right? Um, and then towards the end of this whole experience, we were just sharing with each other the stories of our exes and come to find out that he knows my ex and that they had been talking to each other on the phone for like three years, even while he and I were dating, my ex and I were dating. And, um, and that my ex is supposed to come meet him for the first time after this long phone relationship in about a month. And I'm totally sitting with this guy. We, like, had amazing sex. We definitely, like, I want to keep it going. But, like, I just want to make sure that I don't fuck shit up in my own recovery from this relationship or if it's just a bad idea to be with. I could just really use any help that you uh, that you have. I also don't want to hurt my boyfriend, you know, by invading his space. But what are the chances? I mean, he's, like, 2,000 miles away. Like, this was totally not intentional. Anyways, any help would be great. And I just wonder, why is the tech-savvy youth at risk? Thanks a lot. This is one of those questions that I really feel I would be in a better position to offer you sound advice if I could see some video documentation. I don't know, just about a half an hour of it. Um, I, I'm of two minds here. You could say to this ranger dude, I could totally see dating you, but you know that guy you've been talking to for three years? He's my ex. It was a really ugly breakup. And I can't, you know, I don't want to fuck up myself emotionally, my ex emotionally, by getting into some sort of love triangle with the very first guy either of us see or date after our breakup. Uh, totally reasonable to protect yourself that way. Uh, on the other hand, gay men are about 3% of the population. We don't have the same luxury that straight people do when it comes to sort of ruling out, you know, friends of exes or other people exes have dated or, you know, saying to our friends, you're not allowed to date any of my exes. First of all, we date so much more extensively that if we said to our friends, you're not allowed to date anybody I've ever dated, our friends couldn't date anybody at all. And we'd, none of us would have any friends, to, you know, to avoid those sorts of ultimatums. So you don't want to rule them up for just that reason. However, it does seem like your ex has dibs, at least emotionally. If they've been talking to each other on the phone for three years, they have sort of an emotional entanglement. They have an emotional involvement uh, that they both invested in. They both invested in each other for three years. They need to meet and they should meet and see if there's more there. See if they are destined to be together. See if their relationship is more than just uh, you know a phone connection. That it may be the love connection. And the the mature wise thing for you to do, the thing that would make you, I think, look like even more of a catch to him is to say, you know what, go off, meet that guy that you've been talking to, which is going to be my ex, and see what's there. And if nothing comes of it, you know, wait six weeks and give me a call because I'd be totally down with dating you, but not while you're involved with my ex. That's what I would advise you to do. Uh, as for the tech-savvy at-risk youth, they are at risk because they are tech-savvy youth. And all tech-savvy youth are at risk somehow. And these tech-savvy youth are particularly at risk because they're locked in a room with me. Hi, Dan. I am a 31-year-old bisexual woman in a relationship with an absolutely wonderful 40-year-old lesbian. We've been together for about two years, and we are planning a wedding for next August. Everything about our relationship is really great. Um, we have fabulous sex. The only issue that I think we have is that we have very complementary fetishes, but we never seem to do anything about them. When we first started seeing each other, we would have all kinds of wonderful kinky sex all the time. 
and the longer we've been together, the more vanilla our sex life becomes. And every few months, I'll try and talk to her about it and ask her, like, what's wrong? Is Do you not like this anymore? Do you not want to do it? And she'll tell me that everything's great, and she loves it, and she hadn't realized it had been that long, and she does really want to, and we'll have another night of that really, really fabulous sex, and then we're back to the vanilla for another six months or so. And I can't seem to figure out how to convince her that I really, really do want to do this, because she seems to have this idea that she doesn't have any right to ask me for her fetish, even though it's pretty much the same as my fetish, and I really want to do it, and I'm asking her for it all the time. So if you could give me some advice on that, I would really appreciate it. Hello? Hey, it's Dan. Hi. So uh, I just listened to your call. Mm-hmm. And first things first, uh, the listeners right now are in the future because this podcast isn't going to go out for two weeks. Wow. So they know who the Democratic nominee is, and we don't. Oh, my God, I'm so jealous. Who are you supporting? I'm kind of torn. Torn between... Right now, my dream ticket, I think, would be Hillary Obama together. Mm-hmm. In any kind of combination, mm-hmm. would be fine. But I'm thinking Obama is the guy. Obama. So, what if Hillary's crushed Obama? Would you want to say anything to other Democratic other Democrats <laughs> who might be listening about how disappointed you are in them? Actually, no, because with the field that we have right now, the top three that you know I think have the best chance, I'd really be reasonably happy with any of them. All right, so you won't be one way or the other. If the people in the future chose Hillary or Obama as the Democratic nominee, you're pleased with the people of the future. If the next president is a Republican, then I'll be horribly upset and might have to go on a killing spree. With the people of the future. Yeah. You, you don't want to actually say that because the, the fucking – I've gotten in trouble oh, with the Secret true. Service before. Oh, that's true. I'll have before. Homeland Security at my door. You will have Homeland Security <laughs> at your door. Actually, I'm, I'm calling them now on my cell. All right, about your problem? Yes. What the kink? What's the kink? You, you can't do that to my listeners. You can't call up and say, oh, we've got this kink, it's complimentary, it's totally wild, we totally love it, we don't do it enough, and then dot, dot, dot. What the fuck's the kink we're talking about here? It's completely boring. It's just your average, everyday dominant submission thing, but we have a little added thing that we like to role-play, mind control. Mind control, okay. Yeah. Um, don't do that to me now, because I have a show to do. <laughs> No, I'm the one who gets control in the game. Mm. So, yeah, I can't do it. So, like, hypno-fetish, that sort of stuff. Yeah, kind of. Okay. And you did this a lot when you first got together. Yes. How did you find out about this when you first got together? Did you get together through a kink personal ad? How did it come out? No, we actually met through an online personal ad, but not anything even remotely kink-specific. We were living about three hours apart when we met, and Mm -hmm. we were on the phone constantly, like, eight hours a day. And we were just talking one night, and... We just kind of both fell into it without actually talking about it beforehand. Oh, my God, that's so it, it sweet. It just kind of happened, yeah. <laughs> that's so sweet. That's that's hilarious when that happens, you know. I know. Um, when two people find out just by chance that their kinks mesh, is that's a beautiful serendipitous moment, and it means true love, and you should never let go of each other. But... <laughs> One of the problem that kinky, one of the problems, you know, one of the host of problems that kinky people can have, is it's often easier to sort of be open about your kinks and feel positive about your kinks, um, and you know, be forthright about them and aggressive about getting your needs met when you're with someone that you don't care about, when you're with someone that you don't know that well, because you feel like it doesn't matter if they judge you. Right. And, and they, she had actually never told any of her previous girlfriends that she had this kink. Right. So when you when it came out this way by accident, 
really, when you fell into it, you know, she felt like she hit the mother load, but she also felt like she wasn't risking much emotionally because the relationship was so new, and there was this distance factor, too, so if it didn't work out or you were disgusted and it went away. So here's the thing. Um, so when you first got together, it was easier for her to probably put it out there and to really go crazy because she didn't feel like if you walked away from this, she was losing much. And right, now, we actually had not met in person yet. Oh, well, that's even hotter. And, and even likelier <laughs> to be exactly what I'm talking about. Now yeah. that... It feels like there's a lot at stake. She's shyer about it. She's more nervous about it. Because if you turn on her to judge her or decide it's not what you're into, and this is irrational thinking on her part, and you just have to root it out. You have to like have knock-down, drag-out conversations where you say, you know what's going on for you? You're afraid that, in, that being the crazy, kinky dyke that you are with me is going to make me think less of you and undermine our relationship and potentially damage it or end it. And what's actually happening is your hesitancy, your inability to like do this thing that we both enjoy, is undermining our relationship. That's, a, that's the problem. Not that you're into this is potentially going to be a problem. The problem is that you're into this and we're not doing it. And I want to do it. Right. So and call. every time we have that conversation, she gives me this whole thing about how she recognizes that submission is a gift and that she has no right to ask me for it. So. Well, you just need to give her permanent... <laughs> Until you withdraw it, permission. Okay. You know, submission is a gift, and you can give her the keys to your submission indefinitely and forever. Except okay. when you carve out the time. And you just flip her on that. If she's going to do that PC, kinky dyke bullshit, crapola, all you have to do is flip it on her. Say, I give you my submission at those moments when I feel like I don't want you to have it. I will let you know well in advance that I'm not in the mood for it. I think there's also a little issue that she's a lot, lot more experienced than I am. So how can she be? Too, oh, wait, wait. Yeah. How can she be experienced in this if she's never done it with any of her previous so girlfriends? She's experienced in like kink in general. She's never done the specific mind control uh, thing with previous girlfriends, but mm-hmm. kink, she's very experienced, and I'm not. And I think she worries that like she's I'm leading only you down the that I like path it to hell. She does. Yeah. Well, you just need okay. to hammer away at how much you like it. Okay. And hammer away at her, you know, irrational thinking around it driving you off. And the submission is a gift bullshit, you know. Yeah. <laughs> tell her is not to bullshit? tell her not I to sound like she thinks that. You can be kinky and into BDSM and not sound like you're a Star Trek geek. Like <laughs> just enjoy it and have fun with it and don't overthink it or over process it. I know that's hard for lesbians generally. Yeah. Like she's over processing it. I have never processed anything so much as since I've been in this relationship. Tell her to knock it off. Tell her you no longer are going to willingly submit to process. That you withdraw your permission. You're not giving her the gift of process submission. Mind control, sex game submission, that's all hers. No more process submission. Don't submit to it. Okay. Okay, bye. All right, bye. Hi, Dan. Um, I'm calling in reference to the call made by a woman who was having great sex with her boyfriend, but they had religious differences. Um, your answer focused more on whether they could have a long-term relationship despite the religious differences, you know, to get over it. Um, but you didn't quite address whether a relationship can survive long-term based on sex alone. There is no doubt, um, as you say, that sex is important, but um, is it enough um, to get a couple over and through the hard times in a long-term relationship? If you can address that, that would be great. Thanks. Is good sex enough to get a couple over and through the hard times? No. 
you know, if you have great sex with somebody and they're physically abusive or emotionally abusive outside of the bedroom or, you know, they have a gambling addiction or they're addicted to drugs and alcohol, as so many really great in the sack people are, tragically enough, um, it's not going to be enough. Good sex isn't enough to save or build an LTR on a loan. The flip side, and perhaps I overemphasized this when I was talking to the woman uh, dating Jesus for he was good in bed, is that bad sex can, however, destroy an otherwise solid LTR if sex is important to somebody. And sex almost always is important to at least one person in a couple. Hi, Dan. I just was listening to your podcast from this past week. Uh, you were speaking to a girl who was kind of punky going out with a Jesus freak and uh, was wondering if love can last through all of the uh, things, setbacks they have against them. I just wanted to call and say your advice to her was really good that just, you know, waited out. Um, my now husband, but then boyfriend and I met when we were 18 years old and I was a bit of a wild child, uh, had experimented with some same-sex flings. He was really turned off by that, thought that I was some sort of, you know, demon spawn from hell sent to break down his morals. And yet there was an intense chemical, physical bond, as you said. I think our pheromones just matched or something. And really the first year of our relationship was just, I had no idea why we stayed together but now we're married, and we have found the common ground that went beyond the, you know, more obvious problems that he and I had into something that's a lot deeper, and we've both mellowed, and we've both figured out what it is what is important over time. And really, you know, props for saying that love is more, <laughs> sometimes more, than what seems to be apparent. So I just wanted to say to her and to you, if you you really feel that that those fireworks and that you know, that fluttering in the pit of your stomach when you're with him. Try and see if you can stick it out. Things do change, and time does heal stuff. Thanks a lot for the call, and I'm so glad it worked out for you. But now we're going to hear from somebody whose uh, Jesus freaky partner thing didn't quite work out. Hi, Dan. Um, you know, I've been thinking of calling you for weeks uh, for help, but uh, it. I keep chickening out until I heard the latest podcast uh, from the woman who's dating a Jesus freak. And I felt like maybe my experience would be helpful to her. I really, really encourage her to be careful. Um, Basically, I've been married to my own Jesus freak for almost 11 years. And uh, just like the caller, (laughs) he he was like an addiction to me. His smell, the way he felt. I'm in bed. We are just awesome. So um, I kind of threw caution to the wind after he told me that he was a Christian, and I thought, well, you know, he seems pretty respectful that I'm not, and maybe we can make this work. And long story short, I started going to church for him, and we got married. And after we got married, I um, really wanted to put my heart into it, you know, to be his full partner spiritually, and I became baptized and converted and tried so hard for so many years. You know, I read the whole Bible, and I went to the Bible study, and I got involved with it, um, you know, with my whole heart. We had a child. Um, I quit my job to stay home and homeschool. Um, so now the church is like life, you know, to us. And um, in the meantime, over the years, I developed an eating disorder. I'd had disordered eating in the past, but it got very intense. And um, I ended up starving myself to the point where um, 
I lost my cycle. I lost my hair. Um, I hurt my heart. I have a heart arrhythmia now. And, you know, so I went into therapy and recovery a couple of years ago and started going to groups and therapists. And I got on a very mild antidepressant. And it was like during that whole process, I realized, oh, my God, what have I done? I've lost myself in this Christian faith that it is so hard to take all that energy and believe something you don't really believe. You know, I'm, I was an anthropology major, and I'm trying to say, yes, creationism is the truth, and Noah really did get all the animals on the ark, and um, I couldn't do it anymore. And finally decided to tell my husband, you know, I really feel like I need to go back to the kind of faith I had before, which was more pagan, more yoga, more meditation, um, more nature. Um, and when I made that mistake and told my husband the honest truth that I just couldn't believe this, um, it, it exploded. And now my husband is under the impression, he really truly feels that I am under the influence of evil spirits and demons, that this is a battle between good and evil for my soul, and that God has sent him into my life as a, the messenger of the Holy Spirit to save me. Uh, he wants me to get exercised, um, we, we keep reading the Bible together. He keeps praying over me that the demons leave me. And he keeps, we try to talk to the pastor and the pastor's backing him up on this, that, that Satan is roaming the earth looking for whom he can devour. And I'm the next soul on his plate. And um, I just don't know what to do. I, I don't know how it got this bad, but here it is. And so I really want that um, woman to be very careful. And, and Dan, I would love to have your, opinion about what to do with um, a situation where we are looking at maybe divorcing now, because I don't know how much I can take of this, but we have a child, you know, and do you think it's better to stay together when there's a child involved, or, you know, will he be okay if I leave? I don't know. I'm scared that if I do divorce, my husband's going to tell him that I'm full of Satan. <laughs> I'm going to leave the office today after we finish recording this podcast and go burn down a church. Religion sucks. Religion just poisons everything. It's so sad that your husband's imaginary friends and or friend, assuming he's not polytheistic, and his preacher and their fucking made-up demons are going to destroy your marriage. It's over. You need to get the fuck out. And you need to get out now. Because you know what? The prayers are coming from inside the building. Run! A man who believes his wife is possessed by demons and is praying over her and shouting Bible verses in her face is a man that you can't trust won't attempt to save the soul by destroying the body, which you almost did to yourself with the starvation routine. I wouldn't, I couldn't sleep next to him at night. You shouldn't sleep next to him at night. If he believes you're controlled by demons and full of demons and who knows what he might do next? Who knows what he might attempt when he realizes that prayer and exorcism ain't going to do it? You're not physically safe. Every moment you spend in that house, you are not physically safe. Take your kid and go to your parents' house. Hopefully your parents didn't swallow all this bullshit and convert to this insane brand of Christianity that you swallowed to please this man. Plenty of people get divorced. Plenty of people leave with their kids. Just get in the car and drive.
go to mom, tell her what's been going on, tell her it's over, have your parents call him or have your lawyer call him and tell him it's over. If he does one goddamn thing that feels at all threatening, you go and get a restraining order. You are not his property. You are not his preacher's property. His, that child is not his property. He may say horrible, hateful things to his child about you for the rest of his life. Hopefully your child, if he's around you enough, will see that they're not true. And if he's around your parents enough and your family and some sane people that you bring into your life when you get the fuck out of this church, we'll see that his father is the crazy one. But you know what? Even if your hopefully soon-to-be ex-husband realizes his dream and turns his child against you, you still have to get out. You can't stay in this situation for the rest of your life just because your kid may swallow this religious horseshit that your husband talked you into swallowing so many years ago. You can't stay there and die emotionally, spiritually, and perhaps physically because your husband is pointing a bullshit-filled gun at the head of your child. You got to go. You got to go. Just go. And you know what? It doesn't have to be a big fucking long drawn-out process. You know you can go right now. You're not nailed to the floor, I hope. Not yet. You have keys to the car, I hope. And you can just fucking go. And you should go now. That concludes my good Christian home-destroying advice for today. I want to point out when I said that it could possibly work out with a Jesus freak... That, you know, and I'm, you know, lots of my friends are Christians, my parents are Christians, my, my sister had her son baptized, I had my son baptized, I'm culturally Catholic, I'm not like a big anti-Christian, you know, psychopath, uh, although I'm a psychopath, just not a big anti-Christian psychopath, I'm an un petit anti-Christian psychopath. It works when the Jesus freak is content to let their non-Jesus freaky partner not be quite as Jesus freaky as they are. It doesn't work when the non-Jesus freaky partner has to round themselves up into complete Jesus freakery too to appease and please and mollify the Jesus freak on the other side of the bed. That doesn't work. What I said when we talked about this last time was, you know, I cited the example of, you know, so many successful long-term relationships, perfectly happy couples where the wife is super into church and goes to church all the time and is very religious and the husband could give a shit and they don't talk about it. It's not a source of conflict. They just agree to disagree about religion. They can do it. It doesn't work in situations like this, where you are blackmailed into mouthing things that you do not believe because your spouse is so fucking insecure that they can't have a relationship with someone who doesn't have the same set of imaginary friends that they do. If that's the price of admission when you're dating a Jesus freak, it's too high and you shouldn't pay it. And if you paid it and you realize it was a mistake, you got to go. Hi, Dan. My name is Becky. I'm hetero. Uh, I'd like to think of myself as GGG, but I'm just getting around to trying out some of the things that I've enjoyed reading and fantasizing about over the years. Uh, I just met a sexy, sexy man who likes to play and I'm looking forward to going to some really great places together with him. Um, my question is about a recent party that we both attended. Um, the hostess, a very smart, hot, sexy thing, had a little too much to drink and ended up naked in her bed. Uh, the dinner proceeded beautifully without her, with a few of us taking turns bringing her water and snacks. Um, good wine, good-looking people, and an impromptu strip tease later, we all ended up in the bed with Naked Girl. It was totally sweet and fun, and my guy and I slipped off to another room and had a really good go at each other. Um, the hostess 
ended up making out with one of the other male guests, but it didn't go farther than that. We've all stayed in touch and have seen each other in smaller groups at different parties around town over the holidays, and I've since become very friendly with the hostess. She's a rare and wonderful girl. She's very smart and talented and funny and kind. And my guy and I would both like to invite her into our little games. And he feels that she was definitely looking for trouble by getting naked at her party. And I think she was just a bit drunk and caught in the moment. The trouble is I haven't gotten any indication from her since that she would be into group activities. And I have no idea how to ask her if she's game. I know that people sometimes get drunk to sort of out themselves, but what do you think? And how do I bring up my interest in her without losing her as a friend if she's not? And by the way, Dan, I love your podcast, and I'm glad you're really gay because if you weren't, I'd have a really hard time staying out of your lap. Hello? Hey, it's Dan. Hi, Dan. Hi, I just got your... uh... I just listened to your call, and I'm calling you up. Because you know what? I need a break from the intensity of our last call, which made me want to go hang myself. Oh. So talking to silly, fun people about silly, fun parties where people wind up in heaps naked in bed together, that's kind of the tonic I need now. (laughs) So I appreciate your call. Oh, my God. I appreciate you. You're so awesome. You really are. (laughs) Don't tell me I'm awesome. I'm Catholic. I can't handle that. Um, Here's what I don't understand. Why don't you just ask her? Ask, ask, ask. You, You threatened to jump on my lap. Why can't you threaten to jump on hers? Because she's not, I don't get a vibe from her that she's as open as you are. You know, I get a vibe. She has a very strong uh, uh, attraction. People are very attracted to her. She's really beautiful energy. And so everyone that I've met through her has been a really lovely person. Mm -hmm. And they all have this in common in that there's something about her that people are drawn to. She's charismatic, and she pulls good people into her life, and everybody is better for knowing her, and you want to bone her. But by turn, but by, but, but conversely, she's not really, you know, she's a little conservative. Like, she doesn't really give you that kind of, come on, she's not flirty. She's, you know, she's a little well, flirty, but... You know, there are a lot of people who are very charismatic, who are really attractive, who put up a, a little bit of a wall... Because there's so much coming at them all the time. And then they get into this trap. You know, they, they paint themselves into a corner. Because then people they'd like to hit on them don't. Because they perceive that wall that you've perceived. You know what I mean? So people hang back. I don't want to, you know, be a, you know, I don't want to be the, like, millionth person who've hit on them. And she may be wanting you to hit on her, for all you know. And if you're worried about losing her friendship, there's a really easy way. And I know this works because I've done this myself. To, you know, make a pass at somebody who's a friend or there's a friendship there that you don't want to, you know, that you, you have to want to risk. You, you can't not risk it. But you can, yeah, you can work to preserve it just by saying these magic words. Like, here's where we are. This is what we're about. If you're ever interested, dot, dot, dot. And then you say, you know, I don't want to lose you as a friend. And friendship is totally not contingent on anything ever happening. And if you say no, we're not going to be weird about it. And we'll never bring it up again. And... It won't, like, you know, get you disinvited to parties or anything, and I hope you won't be uncomfortable around us for the rest of your life. And if you say that, it doesn't happen. The friendship is preserved, and often the fuck party is scheduled. <laughs> but you've got to be willing to risk. Wonderful. There's yeah, no, there's wonderful. no, There's no nothing in sex without risk. Well, isn't that the truth? And I since you know that... You know, people call me all the time, how can I get X without taking any risks at all? And the answer is you can't. 
That's weird because I'm not a shocked person generally, but this situation has me in such a quandary. I feel like a, a like a teenage boy. Because the attraction you know? is intense and the stakes are high. Yeah, and after the party the other night, she was like, oh, you know, if you get tired, why don't you just come in my room? And so I did, and I lay there like, I was like, oh, my God, what do I do now? <laughs> what does she have to do? You know, ask you over to play Wesson Oil Twister? Fucking make a pass at her already. <laughs> Actually, yeah, that would be kind of fun. <laughs> Here, would you, could you hold my clitoris for a second while I do this? Oh, God, I don't know what to do now. I don't know if I should hit on her. She invited you into her bed? But when I got in there, she had all her clothes on, and she was pretending to be asleep, and she was the farthest part of the bed. So I got a little intimidated. I I have to admit, I did. Well, then you say, in your little speech about, I want to hit on you, but I don't want to lose your friendship, you say, you've done a couple things that, for me, felt like invites, but there were elements of it that felt like maybe it wasn't an invite, so I'm confused. Just tell me. Just let's talk. Just tell me. And then it makes her a little bit responsible for the pass that you've made. Yes. And if she doesn't want those kind of passes to be made in the future, she needs to know that some of the signals she's sending out are going to invite them. Right. And so you've done her a service by making the pass. So you think pass. my guy is right. You think that she is definitely interested, but she's just uh, being coy? I think there are enough signals there that it's worth risking the pass because she could very well be interested. And so you should. Okay. And if you just handle it like goofy fun, don't make a pass at her like you're offering her, you know, spina bifida. You have to make a pass <laughs> at her like you're offering her, you know, a good time and an like extension of your friendship. Yeah, it's like, hey, my boyfriend and I, hey, this would be really fun. If you don't want to, no worries. Hey, we'll find somebody else. But hey, you, you can't be like, I'm so sorry I have to burden you with this. <laughs> All right? All right. Make that pass. Make it tonight, and then call us tomorrow and let us know how it went. Oh, wait. She's out of town right now, but as soon as she gets back. Okay. All right. Thanks so much, Dan. You're welcome. Well, that concludes this installment of the Savage Lovecast. Thanks, everybody, for playing along. And to the people in the future, er, 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 I can't wait to meet you there and find out who the fucking Democratic nominee is. I can finally write a check to somebody. The phone number here at the podcast, 206-201-2720. If you'd like to record a question for a future podcast, and we rely on your questions, of course, here, uh, please give that number a call. Leave your number so we can call you back if we need to ask you a follow-up question like what exactly your kink is. And uh, we promise not to put your name or number on the air, air, air. And you download us every week at thestranger.com slash savage. And uh, me and the tech savvy at Risk Youth will be back at you next week with another installment of the podcast.